Welcome to the Good Theological Thursday podcast, where we have open conversations about theology and culture. My name is James Crockett. And I am Dre Clark, and we are glad to have you join in our conversation today. We hope that this podcast helps you as you think about your life and God. And a good Theological Thursday to all of you. Uh, We hope you are doing well, that you are all uh, continuing to press on, survive during this coronavirus situation, quarantine. Um, we are continue to record from our own personal quarantine. Dre, I'm still at my apartment. I was able to go to the church uh, earlier this week to work one day, but uh, the rest of the time is basically spent here. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I always I always record in my home studio, so it's still pretty normal. Yeah. Um, you know, my yeah. life my life hasn't changed a whole, whole bunch, you know, just because it's either I'm writing papers here and working from in here or working in my office at the church, but I'm doing the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. in, in all cases. So um, the only big thing is just doing online services, online life groups, things like that. But yeah, yeah. But uh, and then writing papers, which I'm doing, you know, I was up till 3 a.m. last night working on a paper just like normal. So, you know, nice. coronavirus hasn't changed my my uh, master's work, so yeah. I just, finally, uh, I finally started writing my uh, prospectus yesterday. Um, wow! So that was, uh, you know, big deal, big deal. To just at least get started on it. So um, yeah, just started writing again. But um, well, today we are going to be we pre- we mentioned this last week at the end of our last episode, but today uh, we are going to be talking about. Uh, Rhett and Link in their deconstruction stories, the guys who host uh, Good Mythical Morning. And uh, Dre, I mean, we're a little late to the party on this, but um, I think we have some good reason for why we wanted to talk about it. Yeah, I don't even remember when it came out. I mean, it's been, I mean, and and James, you just just, uh, listened to them today and kind of refreshed yourself, but I haven't listened to whenever they came out. It's probably been well over a month, maybe almost mm-hmm. two months um, mm-hmm. since this has come out. And so uh, so we're not trying to you know bring up something dead, but we do want to address it. You know, it's something that I think is important. And so if you um, if you don't know what we're talking about, you know, you don't have to initially go listen to it. But basically, these two uh, pretty popular figures um, on YouTube and in the entertainment world uh, both came out and wanted to share their stories about their life, you know, before getting really famous and uh and they talk about their their upbringing in a Christian home and in a Christian worldview, and um, in, in their own pursuit of faith. And then they uh, tell why they no longer believe that, and kind of deconstructed their faith, and now are holding to uh, what they're calling a hopeful agnosticism, is what I believe uh, mm-hmm, they call yeah. it. And yeah. so, uh, so that's that's as much of the story as you need to know. <clears throat> um, you know, if you want to go back and find those, you can go to. I think their podcast is called Ear Biscuits, and so yeah, that's correct. Um, there's a there's a little season in there um, where that talks about their stories. If you're interested in that, it's really long. I mean, they're both about well over an hour each. Yeah, um, well, they they have like four episodes. The first two are more mm-hmm. just about in general their life before they became famous. But I I just listened to the two episodes. Uh, I think they're titled like Rhett's Deconstruction and Link's Deconstruction. Um, so yeah, those yeah. are the two that I listen to. And uh, yeah. And so if you if you want to know a little bit what we're talking about, you can go and listen to that. Or I'm sure if you don't want to sit there and listen for an hour and a half, you could probably just go find an article that hits the high points of what they said. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
but the but what we want to talk about today, James, with this is you know we're really going to jump into to why is this why was this such a a, a thing? Why was it such a big deal? And and what do you and how how can it help us as we're having theological conversations? You know, mm-hmm. move forward in our faith and 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 where can we be encouraged by it? And where can we um, also uh, respond to it in love and, and and even in our own lives whenever we wrestle with similar things? So that's the mm-hmm. point of today's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get to that, let's do our weekly recommendations. So James, we need like a like a little butt that I can push that you know has like a little tagline, you know, <laughs> yeah. weekly recommendations. Weekly recommendations with James there you go. and Dre. I'm <laughs> just gonna I'm just gonna take that sound clip and put some like epic music behind yeah. it. And that's gonna be no. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, weekly recommendations. James, what do you uh what do you got today? Yeah, so I'm gonna recommend a book that I've just ordered. I had heard about this book. It's actually um so this past couple of weeks of doing church online, one of the things it's allowed me to do is uh, allow me to sit in our Sunday school class, Zoom Sunday school class with my wife because my wife sits in on our church as a uh, basically a newlywed class for people who have been married uh, two years or less. And uh, one, we've been going through this, um, this book study that's really just on what well, I believe it's called saving your marriage before it starts and just talking about some issues in marriage, just some different things you'll face. And, and one of the things we talked about last week was even just spiritually, how you got, how husband and wife might connect to one another spiritually and really how they connect to God. And one of the books that was recommended, I ended up ordering was called sacred pathways by Gary Thomas. Uh, Gary Thomas is known as writing all sorts of, Sacred Marriage, Sacred Search, that's kind of his thing. But Sacred Pathways is a book that basically goes through describing how different, how people uh, are different in how they develop their relationship with God. Like uh, basically different pathways people take to develop intimacy. Uh, like, like for instance, you know, uh, he talks about, you know, some develop intimacy with the Lord through intellectualism, right? That we desire to grasp theological truths or some might like my wife, you know, just going on walks and um, praying to God as she's walking in nature. Like that's, that's something that really draws her closer to the Lord. And so uh, I I think it's a, it's a pretty interesting concept. I'm looking forward to reading through it uh, because I I think, you know, we all develop intimacy with the Lord in different ways because we are just different people. And so, um, but it might be something good to look through and maybe even, you know, if you are having a hard time, you know, figuring out how can I develop intimacy with the Lord, uh, maybe reading through this and figuring out where would you fit in and pursuing that pathway uh, could be something that's really beneficial. So that is Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. Yes, and Gary Thomas also wrote the Five Love Languages too. So mm-hmm. um, he's yeah. uh, been around for a while, really good. I have several. Laney, you know, as a, as a counselor, has several of his books uh, somewhere, and I've got a couple on my bookshelf as well. But yeah. Great recommendation. So, mm-hmm. um, and especially too, you know, with, with coronavirus, I've heard divorce rates and things like that, and spats mm-hmm. are on the rise. So maybe that's a really good timely book to read right now if you're maybe experiencing some of that in your own life, um, you know, during this isolation time. So, great book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to recommend a book. I'm surprised I haven't recommended it before, and which makes me think maybe I have recommended it, but I just forgot. But if so, it's it's worth recommending twice. Um, this book is called the freedom of self forgetfulness, um, by Timothy Keller. Uh, I love Keller a lot. I love, I love the way he thinks, mm. um, don't agree with him theologically on every single thing, but you know, for the most part, I think he's really solid. So, uh, this book though, 
is one that I've used a lot. It's really short. Um, it is small. It's 50 pages. So if you are, you know, some of the books me and James were talking earlier, we recommend are pretty scholarly because that's what we spend our lives doing. Um, but this book is just really practical. Um, you could read it in an hour or if you're a slow reader, maybe you could take some two hours. But I highly recommend that you pick it up. Um, Freedom of Self-Forgiveness is all about this idea of of humility and really understanding our identity and our freedom in Christ. And so uh, I think this is a solid book for anybody to read. And I think it's a good book to read uh, during the quarantine time. So that's why I wanted to recommend it too, because you can get through it in, uh, in, a, in at least a week for sure. And I think it'll really benefit your soul. So awesome. Freedom of Self-Forgiveness by Keller. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a big Timothy Keller fan as well. So uh, I uh, I definitely wouldn't mind uh, reading that. Always, He's always a good read. So... Um, okay, Dre, well, why don't we go ahead and jump into, again, our, our main subject for today. Again, we are talking about, as we mentioned, we are talking about Rhett and Link, their deconstruction stories that they posted on their Ear Biscuits podcast. They are the, they are known as the host of Good Mythical Morning, and uh, they are YouTube stars. And this, whenever they posted this, this got a lot of publicity and has led to a lot of different conversations. And Dre, I think for you and I, you know, this is also a, you know, I think we might feel a little closer to the story because you and I work with college students and we both had conversations with college students as a result of this, of this podcast being released. Yeah, yeah. Whenever it came out, um, you know, a lot, a lot of college students were because, you know, they're, they're huge on YouTube. I think a lot of they have a huge fan base. So once again, if you, if you don't know about it. Um, you know, it means you're probably old, but I'm just starting. It means that you need to realize that this had a major influence on a generation um, that that really knows Rhett and Link, really respects, enjoys what they do. And then whenever they came out as Christian, and then you know, or a lot of people know that they were Christian, then also had this deconstruction. They just carry a lot of influence with it, with it, with my generation, some generations below, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, naturally, um, it it shook a lot of people. And then too, just the way they went about the conversation too, I think was very relatable um, mm. with a lot of things that, that people, um, especially like I said, that, that kind of age range has really been wrestling with in our, in our current cultural setting. And so, mm. um, so it was, it really was a, a pretty big wave. Now, of course, you know how things go. It, it, it comes, then it disappears. And so, um, mm. which is why I think it's actually interesting that we're talking about it now. We're actually getting to really have some distance with it and, and see, well, how has it impacted? And, you know, I'll admit that a lot of students, it's, it probably was more of a seed in their minds is really the long-term impact that it came out, kind of shook up their lives for a couple of weeks. And then it's probably going to sit back in there um, until they pick it back up later on in, in their life. And I think that's actually what's happening with a lot of deconstruction movements is these ideas kind of had, and it just keeps adding to the jar until one day people say, I can't believe this anymore. And so I think mm-hmm. it was a pretty major stone. That's kind of my, you know, my, my looking at it from, from being months out of it um, from the actual event now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, James, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I think that's part of, I like how you talk about it, it's a seed in the mind. I think that's why we want to discuss it is because, you know, it might not, it might not cause anybody to leave their faith now, but it could plant that thought that if you don't fully think through all of this and fully address it, I, I mean, it could maybe lead to further seeds being planted and it could lead to a story like Rhett and Link's of where eventually you just choose that, you know, I can't believe this anymore. Um, you know, I, I think, and one of the things, you know, you and I wanted to discuss is why, 
Why was this a thing? Why did students find this more com- so compelling? And and that's kind of what I want to dig into a little bit because let's be honest, if you listen to it, Rhett and Link have not presented any new earth-shattering arguments. Uh, I would not say they're the best defenders of agnosticism, that they're the best critics of the faith. Like there are, you know, way smarter people out there that have brought arguments against Christian faith. Uh, and there are way smarter people that have defended Christian faith than these two guys, right? So they're, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call these guys experts in this area by any means. It doesn't mean that their opinion is not, doesn't mean that their opinion is completely invalid or that they haven't really thought through this stuff. That's not what I want to suggest. But again, they're not, they're not necessarily presenting anything, any, some, any earth shattering argument against the faith. It's all stuff we've probably heard before. Uh, but for some reason, it did, uh, you know, you've had conversations with students, I've had conversations with students about this, and it did really shake some students up. And, um, you know, like you said, I think part of the reason is, you know, these guys seem very l- relatable, right? I, I think, yeah. you know, if you go into like academia and you go into some of these very like these philosophers and deep thinkers, you know, it, it might be easy for us to brush them off just because, well, they might already seem pretentious or whatever. Like, you know, Richard Dawkins, you know, I think it's easy to brush him off just because he seems like a jerk, to be honest, right? Uh, But these guys aren't that way, right? They're, you know, they present themselves as humble and honest and, you know, hey, we just want to have an honest conversation about this and just share with you what we're feeling. And and I think this is maybe one of the reasons, uh, maybe it's, it is, it has shaken students a little bit or people a little bit more than you would maybe expect. Yeah. And I think too, as you listen to their story, what I think you're hitting on a really important point. A lot of these deconversion things, people, let's be honest on both sides, people, people go to this high intellectual kind of thinking. And I don't want to say I'm into anti-intellectual, but, but they, they kind of approach it in this very dry fashion is probably, or maybe a lifeless or maybe a, an mm-hmm. unholistic mo- a means. Um, and mm-hmm. so their, their motive their, or their, their means of choice is really um, stale. But what, what is interesting about Rhett and Link is that they, they're, they're vulnerable. They're honest. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they, they talk through their wrestling and they're relatable Um which is, that's good communication. And I think that's mm-hmm. actually um, a, a good dialogue. And one of the things I, I, you know, I told a lot of college students is I said that I really do wish that they would have um, had this, these kind of conversations in this, maybe, I don't know if it's a confidence, that's probably not the right word, but a vulnerability to to have these conversations even earlier on in their days. But there's something that prevents us from having that. And so I think they're actually mm-hmm. at a point now where they, maybe they're big enough and maybe they're, um, they're at a point in their life is probably, I don't think it has to do with them being big enough, but they're at a point in their life where they are willing to be honest and open. And this is just where they're at. Um, mm-hmm. And that's attractive. Um, but it's also in the same way, not only is it attractive, but it's also um, convicting in, in people that are saying, oh, what they're saying, that sounds like something I've said. Um, that mm-hmm. sounds like something I've thought through too, because they're being vulnerable and it's, it's forcing people to say, where are my vulnerabilities? And so mm-hmm. as far as just the communication style and why this was a big deal in the evangelical world, um, I think those are some key points. It, it was very down to earth, um, but it wasn't anti-intellectual in a sense, you know, that they, mm-hmm. they still brought up points. They still talk through the things, but there was that realness and authenticity behind it that um, that I think people crave and that quite honestly, I think has been missing from the conversation um, in some of our academia works. So they, they bridge yeah. those together. Um, and not I, that they do it well. That's what we can talk about later, but uh, but they did make that attempt. 
Yeah, and I'll say, you know, both of their stories, like, you know, Rhett and Link, you know, they have different, the way they present their stories is very different. Rhett goes more, you know, if you've listened to it, Rhett goes more on the side of his is a little bit more intellectual, um, whereas Link's becomes a lot more, not to say that Link doesn't have intellectual reasons of why he left the Fae. I mean, he acknowledges he does, um, but, you know, his... A lot of his, uh, if you listen to his story, a lot of it becomes a lot, a little bit more experiential. But you know, I, I think those are both; those are two sides of one coin. Of you know, again, I, I think people leave the faith uh, for intellectual reasons, for experiential reasons. Um, I, I think people might they they convert to faith for both reasons too. I, I do think it's important to note that for every deconversion story out there. There's a story of C.S. Lewis, you know, someone who was an atheist but found Christianity yeah. to be compelling and converts, right? So I, I think, you know, we can get we can get caught up in the moment and these – I think these deconversion mm. stories, you know, they grieve us, you know, because we, we wonder how could someone who's been in the faith for so long, so to say, uh, how could they leave it? Like, you know, that, that kind of – and maybe they scare us. Maybe they scare us to think that would we do the same thing if we tried to follow the same line of reasoning? Um, mm. but again, I think just an encouragement, it is important to note, you might hear deconversion stories, but also know there's plenty of stories of people who were aware Rhett and Link are now, and they actually moved into Christianity. So, um, I think that's something also to preface here in understanding why deconversion stories can be compelling and can shake us. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and what, what you're hitting at is... And, if, and, and this is, you know, my theological uh, viewpoint coming out, which we're not going to have time to talk about today. But all of this, in, in my mind, is is actually what's happening in pre-evangelism. Um, mm. You know, when it comes to actual faith itself, faith is not understanding that leads to faith. It's faith seeking understanding. Um, mm. And that's that's my view on it. And so, so really what we're saying is that um, these are pre-evangelistic uh, conversations. These are things – and that's – I think – I think maybe to be fair, apologetics really deals in that world, you know, at least half the time. It, you know, I think, you know, even more than that, but let's just be generous and say half of apologetics really is pre-evangelism. And mm-hmm. so I do think that some of the things they're bringing up, some of these concepts, and, and now, of course, they're going to say that they were Christians, they were saved, and, and now we're into a theological thing. And, you know, they even attack people saying, you know, don't don't say that, you know, I know what the Christians are going to say. They're going to say that we weren't ever saved and, and put them in a theological box and um, that's not what I'm doing. I'm the, we, we don't have boxes to put theology in. Our, our our reality gives us theology, so it's the exact opposite way around. Our our practice mm-hmm. is informed by theology, not not the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, anyways, with all that being said, I think that what they're really doing is they're doing this pre-evangelism and they're asking good questions. And, and I think that you're right that you have just as many stories of people that that came down with different conclusions. Um, people mm-hmm. that sought God and and at the heart of it really is this faith thing. At the heart of it really is uh, this question of of why are we here? What is our purpose? Why is there something instead of nothing? And um, mm-hmm. what's the problem? What's the solution? Some of these core philosophical questions that really undergird world v- views. Um, mm-hmm. And they they're wrestling with them honestly, and and I applaud them for that. But um, but I don't think that. Once again, I don't think it's understanding that leads to faith. I, don't, I think that you can know all the things about it and you can have answers to all the arguments, but at the heart matter, um, it really is, do I believe this? Do I want to put God in charge or do I want to trust 
everybody's trusting someone. Do I want to trust this God of the Bible or do I want to trust my own reasoning or do I want to trust mm-hmm. this other guy's reasoning? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's what it's always been. It's a faith statement, you know, something yeah. that's unprovable. So, yeah, I mean, so I think, is, I think that's where they wrestle in, in that world. Yeah. I mean, faith is the part is a part of every man, whatever you, whenever you want to, if you want to deny that or not, even the atheist ultimately has faith that they've reasoned through things well, right. You know, um, you know, they, they, there's ultimately there's some things and, and here, and, you know, I think we're going to get into maybe some of the problems with how maybe some of our problems with how they might have um, uh, presented all of this uh, because mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to point out. Now, what we don't want to do is we're not going to go point by point and, you know, we could go point by point, you know, from, you know, if we look at Rhett's conversation of his conversation on evolution versus creation and, you know, the mm-hmm. archaeology of the Old Testament and then the New yeah. Testament. I mean, we could go through all that, and uh, but I don't think that's going to be helpful. You could probably yeah. – you could find other sources for that. What I what yeah. I think we want to do is more look at, okay, their method, how they presented it, and just recognizing some things in there um, that often happen – in any conversation you might have either on a deconversion story or with someone who, you know, is not a believer. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the big things, like one of my big problems, I guess, when listening to Rhett's story is he makes it sound as if, if you actually pursue an intellectual mm-hmm. um, inquiry of your faith, the only and he he presents it as this was a conclusion he came to, but it almost sounds like, and I don't want to, you know, if I said this to him, this is how you presented it. He might say, this is not what I meant. And so I want to, you know, I want to give credit. I don't want to, yeah. you know, necessarily assume here, but it's, um, but again, Dre, you and I have talked about, you know, when you put something out on the internet um, like that, you know, you've opened yourself up for criticism. And so um, ultimately I think part of what happens is, you know, Rhett basically suggests uh, subtly that if you pursue this intellectually, then the only conclusion you can come to is that the Bible is not reliable, which you and I both know there are plenty of intellectuals, smart people that have pursued reasoning and reason that the Bible is actually pretty, pretty reliable. So I think you need, I think when you're listening to these stories, you need to notice things like that um, because those are, um, yeah, that, I don't. I think you need to be careful of make you know just thinking that okay, intellectualism will naturally lead you to reject faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and that is. I mean, he, even within the middle of it, as he's presenting his story, it, it comes across with. And, and to be honest, everybody does this. Um, we believe mm-hmm. we're right, and that's not necessarily just pride. But you know, if you think something's right. Um, you know, if you hold to something, then obviously you think that something is right. Um, nobody Mm -hmm. would probably hold to something they think is wrong, um, unless they're insane. Um, and so, so Rhett does think he's right, thinks he's right and Link thinks he's right. And so as he's, as they're presenting this, of course, they're going to present it as a way they're right, but they do, they do err on the side of if anybody looks at the evidence this way, this is where you will come to as well. And and Mm -hmm. you could, you could attack Christians of saying the same things, um, you know, and I think that's where we've got to say once again back to this matter of, of faith is that at some point both people, are, both both paths are you're going to get to a cliff of where you have to make a jump of faith. You have to make this leap of leap of faith. I'm trying to think who the 
historical figure that the proverbial leap of faith. I can't remember who it was that, that argued, uh, had, had a saying about this, but every worldview is going to come to where you have to say, okay, here's the end of the information. Now, what am I going to, am I going to, am I going to dive into this or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't, I didn't hear that in their argument. I didn't really hear them get to a place where they, and maybe, maybe in their hopeful agnosticism, you know, that's, but I, I really feel like that's more of a cop-out agnosticism because agnosticism is basically saying, well, we can't know. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to actually make the leap. I'm just going to say it may or may not. Um, and mm-hmm. so they're, they're really, they're really kind of defaulting and I don't want to into themselves, I think with, with that worldview. Um, mm-hmm. and that may be a little bit unfair, but, um, but, but I think that that's the point is that they didn't really communicate well that, you know, here, here are really the issues. And now which one are you going to put your trust in? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in fact, their term hopeful agnosticism, well, they didn't mention what they're hopeful really for. Um, yeah. you know, what's the, what's the source of their hope? You can't be hopeful that you're right because now you're putting your hope in yourself. Are you putting your hope in that maybe there is something out there, but that's not putting any trust in that one. So how can you hope in someone you're not actually yeah. trusting? And so it really does kind of the way the podcast <clears throat> and the way their, their view kind of ends, it just ends in a conundrum, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't really make a, make a statement and doesn't lead people to that, that, um, decisive moment of what are you trusting in? Um, and it almost yeah. defaults to, well, I'm trusting in myself is, is really the reality of that worldview. Um, yeah, uh, you know, so I, yeah, think I, that, I definitely agree with that point. Yeah. I think the great irony is, is you hear a lot in their stories of, we're just trying to seek truth. We're trying to understand truth. The irony is, is, you know, basically their conclusion is in seeking truth, we've just rejected this one truth and now we have no truth. I mean, I think hopeful agnosticism, I mean, they basically don't really have much of a truth right now. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, we just kind of hope that there's something there and, you know, uh, there is a, you know, I think right at the end of his, he talks about, you know, I'm just going to focus more on this life, right? So is it hope that, you know, this life is, is that like, you know, this life's the best you get or, uh, yeah. So it's just kind of, you know, and, you know, we hope that there maybe is something after that's after death that's good um you know they they reject the idea of hell completely but um i don't know like it's yeah it's very unclear very vague that he describes it as we we've jumped into a sea of uncertainty in other words i mean maybe they're trying to pursue a truth more and they don't want to you know don't want to jump in and you know but i think there's also times i think you know where Rhett says something to the effect of, you know, I've just been comfortable with not knowing things that I don't need to know. And the idea of just living your life of uncertainty and not really holding to any sort of truth, I just, I don't know if that's going to be, that's, that's very sustainable, right? You know, it might be okay for a time, but how sustainable is that? And, and, and here's what they're doing though. They're, they're borrowing from what the Christian faith has always said. Mm -hmm. Um, They're saying, I I just, I want to stay in this sea of mystery which is a very Christian concept, quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. The mystery of God—it's a th- very, th- very interesting theological thing to look through. But here's yeah. the difference: I can, I can stay in the sea of mystery because I know the one who's in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was out, you know, to use another nautical reference, um, it's the difference of being lost at sea and the difference of of having a God who's in control of the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I can be out on the water, but it's very different of being lost and not being lost. Um, and once again, that's, that's the phrase the Bible talk about is saved or not saved. It, you know, I was mm-hmm. lost. Now I'm found, you know? And so, so what they're trying to do is almost borrow from what Christians have said, but, but they have no basis for it. And I, and I don't think, I mean, that's my conviction. I don't, I'm not going to put faith in, 
in something I don't know, I, I would try to get out of the seat. You know, I'd, I'd want to seek. And so, and I, and I do trust that's what they're doing. I do trust that the, the positive out of this is that they've come to a place where maybe they're actually for the first time in their lives, um, you know, being open to a communal conversation about what they believe in their faith instead of letting this happen kind of in their interpersonal lives and wrestling with these questions. And you even see that in part of their story that they wouldn't talk about it for a while or they just told one or two people. They didn't really let the believing community in to help us through that. Um, and that's isolation and, and no man is an island in that sense. And so um, so I do think that, that maybe that's a positive out of this, but I really do think that that they're trying to get the best of both worlds. Um, and... Mm. You know, as a professor, I would say that dog don't hunt. I mean, that it doesn't doesn't work. You can't hold to. Well, I'm just going to live for today because, well, what happens when today is bad? What happens if you're trying mm-hmm. to live in the moment? And the moments you have, you know, as as we even are right now in the middle of this of this pandemic, um, how do you how do you, you you can you can try to make the most of it, but you can't deny that there's people dying right now. That there's people losing their jobs. That there's people going through through very difficult times. Um, and so if, am I just going to live in this happy go lucky YOLO live in the moment? You know, I'm going to, the reason I can make the best of things like the Corona pandemic is not because, um, of my positive attitude. It's because I know that God is in control in the midst of it, mm-hmm. um, that I'm in, we're in a storm and I say that storm is bad, but I know that there's something there's, there's purpose within it. Um, and, and I put my faith in that, but I, but what mm-hmm. are you putting your faith in? If you're saying, well, I don't know, I'm just hopeful that all this stuff is going in. And so I do think suffering, even though it can become a, a difficult thing to talk with in the Christian faith, I think it actually brings out these, these themes and, and, um, but yeah, they're not tethered to anything. And so, um, and, and that can make for a difficult, difficult life. And so that, they're, they're, they, that stuff didn't really get brought up. They didn't really talk about, they talked about their own personal struggles within that, but they didn't really get to the matters of where faith and, and, and life come in, which is really this, what's, what's wrong with the world. Something that every worldview has to deal with, you know, the problem of evil, it's the elephant in the room in every theological conversation. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and they don't, they don't really go to there, which is, I think where faith begins and ends, you know, it's always begun and end there, you know, back to Genesis one. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I agree. Ultimately you, uh, the, the irony of after this happening, this coronavirus pandemic hitting, um, you know, this is not to say that Christians don't have something they have to think through of, you know, why is this allowed to happen? You know, why does, you know, I, I think we know our ultimate answer of why this has happened is because the world is broken and it, it mm-hmm. naturally leads us to, um, the hope that, you know, one day think all these things will be made new. But I mean, it still can be a, a pretty difficult issue of, you know, why is, you know, you might, you might come across these questions of why has God allowed this to happen in the world? But, but I think, you know, even if we can't have all the answers for it, we know there's an ultimate end point, right? That there is a, there is a purpose, so to say. There is something that creation is working towards. Whereas if you don't hold to anything, like if you hold to hopeful agnosticism, which I I just, yeah, that's uh, like you said, I think hopeful agnosticism is just basically a non-answer. Um, it's mm-hmm. just like a yeah. hopeful agnosticism is I don't know. I mean, and that's how they describe mm-hmm. it. They say, I don't know, but I hope, right? And so yeah. it just isn't really an answer. And so when you come to situations like this, I mean, what's your answer? Um, yeah. Like, I think... It's all is all of this just happening. It's just purposeless, and there's no there's no grand endpoint going on here, and we're just kind of mm-hmm. stuck. Um, you know, I, I would argue that's not really that hopeful. You know, so yeah, yeah, um, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so, 
So, so I do. Yeah, I think I think what we're trying to get the heart at is is really their conclusion. And so, so one, we want to we want to be authentic. We want to be fair. That they're just walking through what they believed. Um, we, I think we would say that their conclusion needs some work. Um, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully that's what continues to happen. Hopefully they continue to seek. Hopefully they continue to to pray um, and, and to go through. But but all they've done is shifted doubt from one worldview to now to another worldview. Their cards their cards just got rearranged, but they still have the same hand. Um, yeah. And, 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 I, and I think that that's an important part to, to point out with where they're at. And it's an honest part on their end, so I don't think we have to attack them for that. But I do think as college students are listening, people are listening to this thing, um, I think we got to realize – what they're doing and we got to be honest about what they're doing. We got, and so we can be fair to them. We can be loving and say, that's what, where they're at, but we can't just say, Oh, what they've done is working. And that's what, that's what happened to a lot of people in the deconstructive movement. They've moved from one side to the other and they still find the same problem they had back on the, on the other side. Um, Mm -hmm. The grass isn't greener on the other side and it's, that's what's happening. And so maybe, maybe all of this is pre evangelistic work and, and maybe we need to come to the point where we say, okay, where is my faith? Um, and, yeah. and back to the story that Red even mentioned in uh, John uh, 6, uh, 61 through 65, or I can't remember, around that, around that area in John 6, where, mm. you know, everybody's leaving Jesus and Jesus looks at Peter and says, are you going to leave me too? Um, and they actually use this as one of their yeah. things, which I thought was so interesting. But um, that really is it. I mean, you alone have the words of life. I mean, you've got to yeah. trust somebody. And yeah. um, I don't trust myself, James. I don't think I'm that. Yeah. I don't think I'm that clever. I don't think I, I know that much. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot that I don't know, especially with all the degrees and, and things that I've, and all the studies I've done, it just shows you, man, there's so much we don't know, but I'm trusting in the one who does. And I'm, I'm putting my trust in this guy named Jesus. And that's the heart of yeah. it. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, they didn't say it, but they basically, here, here's what's happened. They've, they did use this first, you know, who, who to, where am I going to go? You alone have the words of life. Well, they basically just shifted their trust from the Lord and they even, it's funny, they even used uh, the verse in Isaiah 55, my ways aren't your ways, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, which I found very interesting. That's the verse they used. And, you know, they basically said, you know, it's like, well, God's bigger than you, so you just can't understand all these things. And um, that wasn't good enough anymore. And uh, I think they basically, basically what you have is a shift of trust, no longer in the Lord, but a trust in themselves and a trust in their own intellectual reasoning, that they've reasoned through this, that they're right, that, you know, again... And so I would encourage people, you know, as you're thinking through this to keep searching, like one of my, so one of the things I wanted to point out, one of my problems here is it's interesting when, um, Rhett gets to his conversation about the gospels and he talks about how he thinks they're unreliable. And he talks about how he, you know, he knew the Christian answers to some objections, but then he read a book by Bart Ehrman who has the answers to the Christian answers. And then he just kind of stops there. Well, I would challenge him, you know, there are answers to his answers, right? You know, there are plenty of, you know, Bart, don't, don't just take the word of one guy, Bart Ehrman, who, Mm. you know, there's plenty of people out there. You know, I, you know, I live in the New Testament world. There are plenty of people out there that have plenty of good arguments against Bart Ehrman's arguments, right? Yeah. Um, I've heard Daniel Wallace, you know, one of your professors at DTS give plenty of very, especially when you get into areas of textual criticism and all that, give plenty of good arguments against him. And so mm-hmm. I, I think you got to be careful, you know, and I actually was having a conversation with a student about this. And, you know, one of his frustrations he was talking about was there is a sense in which, you know, you guys could have dug deeper, but you didn't, you didn't, not that they didn't try to dig deep, but you wonder, mm. man, there's, there's deeper digging 
to do. Um, and, um, and yeah, and so hopefully, hopefully that's what they keep doing. They keep digging um, because I think yeah. there is there is more to dig into that they have not dug into yet. And I'll know yeah. if maybe maybe they'll never find any of those answers compelling. But again, I, I think I think you need to know this also in these stories when they say you know clear they they use words like facts or this is definitely true, this is conclusive. Well, they've I think what we need to understand is when they say that. What they mean is, is they find it compelling, but it's not conclusive, right? Or like, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the things they call facts aren't necessarily facts. It's just the argument they find the most compelling. And so I think those are things like, especially when you're in conversation with people, people will use Mm -hmm. buzzwords like that or they'll, 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 they'll use that kind of stuff or they'll straw man the other sides of the argument or they'll, they'll use kind of these types of buzzwords that, you know, if you're not careful, it makes their case sound a lot more compelling than it actually is when you realize, well, wait yeah. a second. No, there's actually an answer to what they're mm. saying, right? That there are yeah. – and it's not just a – you know, uh, I, I think one of the things I didn't like the most was when they would say stuff like – you know, Rhett especially said something like, you know, you know, you can't – when you're in the Christian world, when you're in seminary, you can't question these things. In other words, like indicating somehow that – you know, we wouldn't leave our faith and our motive for not leaving our faith is because it would affect our livelihood. And I, I think that's mm. a bit unfair. And um, I'm, mm. I'm just going to call that out. It's a bit dishonest and unfair. And so, yeah. Um, and it's not true in every case. So, um, but just noticing things like that, I think really helps us deal with these conversations well and can help us push. I, I think when people are processing through stuff, one of the things is you want to get them to re- I love Timothy Keller's statement. You want to get them to wrestle with their own skepticism. And we shouldn't be afraid to sometimes push back on what they're saying, right? You know, being loving, being and being appreciative that they're being honest, but at the same time, hey, let's let's push a little bit on mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they almost set themselves up where it's it's hard to push back against them, you know, because it's like they push back against themselves. And so it's like, oh, well, they've already, you know, done it. And that's that is what makes it compelling, too, as well. Mm-hmm. I, I want to point out one more thing that you said, too, James, uh, just to be fair. I think part of the reason that we as as a culture have come to this place, though, is because what you just said that, that Rhett and Link have done. And I agree that that's what they have done. But it's also what Christians do, too. We present yeah, our. I agree. Mm-hmm. Our arguments in the same way that oh this is for sure and and you know and and and, I, and we we teach things often from the pulpit um, with such a good conviction such a firm conviction which I'm not against but maybe we do it to the extent of we don't let people see our wrestling and our vulnerability and our mm-hmm. our issues of that t- and so Calvin has a beautiful statement um, you know he talks about this idea of the Christian in doubt and he's like you know of course you know it's it's impossible for a Christian to doubt right in one of his works but later on if you read Calvin the same thing he says. That, that faith and doubt are actually of, of the same coin and that it's inevitable. Yeah. And so so he's kind of holding this tension between, yes, like we do have conviction, we do have a firm confidence in our faith, and we don't doubt, but yet there also still is this inner struggle with that. And so it, he kind of allows room and in, in, in freedom in there. And I think that's a way to think about this, um, is that mm-hmm. we got to be careful on our end not to do the same thing that they're doing. And maybe that will put all of us back in a place of, a vulnerability, a place of honest seeking, and then we'll be able mm-hmm. to walk through. Once again, it's faith seeking understanding, not understanding seeking faith. Um, mm-hmm. You got to trust somebody. 
And um, mm-hmm. the default, the modus operandus, the default mode of us is is going to be to trust ourselves. And um, mm-hmm. that's what you really have to wrestle with is, am I that trustworthy? Am I that smart? And once you say no, then you got to look around. And And I've only found one person in history that I think is worthy of that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's my conclusion. Um, I can't yeah. prove it. Um, I can't I can't defend it past that. It's just where my face at. Um, yeah. But it sure does give me a lot more hope than any other worldview. It gives me a lot more grace than any other worldview. Um, and that's something. So. Yeah, and I, I love um, you conclude with that point because, you know, when I when I listened to it, uh, I listened to their stories, you know, it seemed like that was a big problem early on for them was many of these things were presented to them as these are rock solid, you know, almost yeah. that there are no legitimate questions to some of the scriptures and stuff like that. And, you know, there have been no... You know, the idea that there have been no convincing arguments almost against the scriptures is almost kind of, you know, if you listen to a story, it's almost like that seems like what they were at times. At times, that's how the Bible is conveyed to them. And um, I think we do need to be honest with people of, hey, you know, there are some things in scripture that are difficult and there are some things yeah. that, you know, it's hard to, you know, fully prove. I mean, it's hard for us to fully prove. I, I think there's incredible evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. But it's hard to fully prove it. Why? Because resurrection is something supernatural that goes beyond how the world naturally works, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, and so there is always there's always going to be an element of faith in there, and there's always going to be questions against the faith. Yeah. But uh, like you said, uh, let's go back to the verse that they used. Uh, it says uh, that's why, and it's one of my favorite verses of the Bible when Peter says, "To who we go, you have the words of life." In other words, Peter says, "Hey." You know, we know in John 6, it's this whole passage where Jesus gives, basically presents the difficulty that there is in following him and the challenges that will come. And and he, when he presents all these, you know, people leave him and then, you know, Peter just says, hey, you know, I know some of this is difficult and I know this isn't always going to be easy, but, you know, who else am I going to trust in? Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I think what you're expressing there is basically what Peter expressed in John. And, you know, ultimately it's, like you said, you know, I, I found one reasonable thing and one person to trust that makes any sense at all. And that's, you know, that is Jesus. And so, and that is the scriptures and, um, and yeah. And so just being honest about those doubts we have and not being afraid of doubt and realizing that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but doubt can, doubt can help. Sometimes doubt can help us strengthen our faith. And it's something we need to process through and process through in community. You know, that's one of the things I maybe wish that these guys would have done. And I, you know, I don't know their full story, but you know, the way their story was presented, it didn't seem like basically the people they were in conversation with were each other, um, maybe their wives. And it just, it mm-hmm. didn't seem like there was a ton of people they were in conversation with. And yeah. that's maybe what I would have wished happened earlier in their yeah. lives where they were having better conversations yeah. with more people about all this stuff. And, you know, to their defense, you know, there were probably people they were in their lives that weren't open to them conversing about this stuff. And we need to be open about talking through these things with people. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the reality. Unfortunately, in some in some churches, it's easy to to be in the church or to be around the church, but not really be be the church. Um, Mm -hmm. It's easy to go to church, but not be the church. And, and, And it's easy to hide from community. It's easy to um to come in and, and get your juice and cracker and leave and not really have meaningful conversations and um you know we can blame the church for that but I also think we all have a responsibility we should be coming to church to do these things this is we are mm-hmm. the church and so um yeah so in that sense too I, I do think that 
you know, even from just from the Christian point of view, an apology is, is needed, you know, from us to say, hey, you know, we, we also failed you in that sense. We, we didn't offer those spaces. We made you feel like you had to hide. And so so I do think that that, that needs to be the church needs to own up for that. I'm talking about even us too, you know, as, as people, we've got to say, Hey, this is the reality that people are living in. They are dealing with these mm-hmm. things. And and we're talking about these quaint little formulas that we find in, in scripture. And we don't really often dive into these. And I'm not, I'm not seeking university. Of course, I think there's a lot of amazing places and churches and people that are doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I do think as a whole, as the Christian culture, if we're going to continue to survive in this post-Christian culture, we've got to learn to do, more of these and, and to and to think through it. And it doesn't mean you have to have every answer, but I think it really honestly means you got to be willing to say, I don't know the answer and to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah. and, 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 to, and I think that's a, a major point. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I am, I, I do, I do appreciate though, the vulnerability. I think that I wish that more Christians would exhibit, exhibit the vulnerability that Rhett and Link did, um, you mm. know, maybe not on a national platform, but I think it should be happening in our churches. And that's something that yeah. we want to encourage. And we want to encourage people to seek, I, never be afraid to seek truth. Um, mm. I'm, I'm not going to attack anything that any of their arguments. Um, I, I have answers to all those arguments as do you, but that's not the issue. The issue is, are we vulnerable enough to talk with someone about it and be yeah. in that theological community? And that's what, that's what we need to encourage people and spur one another on towards. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Dre, any other, any other thoughts uh, before we conclude this conversation? No, no, I think we uh, want it all. If you've got more questions on, I mean, if you want to go the particulars, you know, you can reach out to me or James, um, you know, we could even do podcasts. If, if there's something specific that you're like, oh, I'm really wrestling with this, you know, uh, evolutionary thing. Or I'm really wrestling with the uh, Egypt archaeology and, and why mm. is Israel found? I mean, um, it's boring stuff, but there's really good answers for it. And it's, you know, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's just the debates that go on. And, um, but I think today we really try to get to the heart of their issue and the heart of the communication and the, yeah. the heart of faith. Um, I think you got to start there. And then uh, there's great answers for all those things. Um, yeah. Nothing on that podcast. I, I, not once was I like, oh, man, they just said something that I've never heard before. I mean, yeah. um, it's yeah. it's old, old stuff that people yeah. way smarter than me and you, James, have, have poured their lives into. And yeah. Um, yeah. and so that that's not the issue. So if you're worried about any of those things or if your faith is shaken, please reach out to us. We're here for that. But yeah. um, but hopefully you see the heart of it is everybody's trusting someone. Faith is always seeking understanding and we need to be vulnerable. We need to be open to seek truth and do it in community, not in isolation. Those are the, the key things. And I think that if you follow those, um, you know, you'll be able to get through this decon- deconstruction thing and maybe just maybe you'll, you'll really find something meaningful in your faith and you'll actually encounter God in a way that, um, that will really change your life. And that's the hope is that we want to lead people closer to God. Um, yeah. and, uh, and not away. So, Yeah. Yeah. Be encouraged to know there are answers out there to these objections. And, you know, please, uh, Dre and I, I think, you know, I could speak for both of us to say we want to process those things with you. Um, We enjoy those conversations. Uh, We don't want to run from those. Uh, We want to help you process through doubt. Um, And hopefully, you know, as, as we process through these things, build our faith and build a firmer foundation in Um, continue to strengthen even our trust in the Lord and our relationship with him. Um, But thank you all again for listening. As always, as Drea said, if you have a question uh, about maybe even one of their specific points, or if you have uh, something that you, something they specifically said you want us to do an extended podcast on, or you just have another question not even related to this, 
You can always contact us. You can do that a couple ways. Follow us on Facebook at Good Theological Thursday, or you can email us at goodtheologicalthursday at gmail.com. As always, if you are listening but you have not left a rating or review, uh, we'd encourage you to rate the podcast to if you have a little time to write a little review for us. And uh, if you have a friend that you think would benefit from uh, our discussions and this dialogue, we encourage you to show it to a friend. But um, Dre, I don't, you want to close us out? Yes, we, uh, once again, thanks for listening today and join us back next week. We're, we're back to doing these live. And so if we get any questions this week, we want to make sure to address those. And uh, if not, we'll have another topic for you next Thursday. And until then, have a good Theological Thursday. See ya. See ya. See ya.